Welcome to the first episode, the first regular season episode of Balling in the Six. We have three Raptors games to discuss. We went two and one for the opening three games. It was pretty much as expected, but to dissect into each game just a little bit further, we've got Varala Gisi himself. Yeah, welcome people. I know this last week was really exciting all around the NBA, but um, like Kamel said, our focus is going to be on the wraps and um, we'll probably make an episode in maybe a couple of days just to like analyse the other teams and further, but we're just really going to stick with um, both the home game and the two back-to-back away games that they just had. Well, interestingly, just your point on the other NBA games and the NBA as a whole, it's really interesting. Do you know who's top of the East right now? Um, Philly's up there, is that right? Philly's up there, but sitting on top is the, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, we'll go into them a little bit later, but I'm just saying... Are they saying 3-0? They're 2-0. They yeah, haven't lost yeah. a game yet. Um, it might just be alphabetically, it might be a point difference, but they're top of the East as it stands. Yeah, I believe four teams are 2-0. Um... But yeah, yeah well, also... three teams, 76ers and the Heat, who, of course, in my predictions, I tip to be the surprise team. But though they aren't the focus. As you said, the Raptors are the focus. And it was an emotional night, the opening night. It was the Pelicans against the Raptors. It wasn't quite the Zion-Williamson matchup, of course, as uh, he was sadly injured and ruined a lot of people's, including myself's Rookie of the Year prediction. As predicted uh, meant... by a certain somebody... Yeah, if you go on our Twitter account at Balling in the Six, you'll see exactly what we mean. Varel, in our last podcast episode, you actually dropped a hint, a very clear hint that Zion would be injured within the first week. And in fact, he was injured before the first game even started. So let's see what else you know. Yeah, I mean, there have been calls for um, some sort of grand conspiracy. And um, although this isn't quite Lakers Kings 2002 level, um, let's just say um, I know people in places and uh, I'm not awfully surprised that that happened well the less said about that the better um, Zion wasn't there but the Pelicans as we talked about in our preseason predictions are still a very strong team they rolled out with an outfit of Lonzo Drew Holiday Ingram JJ Redick and Derek Favors so it's quite a small lineup uh, when you think about it not a traditional number 5 there but no, they still, no. I mean, they, they put up a fight. It was an overtime win, 130-122. Uh, for the Pelicans, you had the likes of JJ Reddick going off from three, as he did from Philly. And of course, um, do you know uh, Milai off the bench? He went four from five from three. Niccolo Melli, sorry. The, uh, the Italian rookie. Six foot seven, went four from five from three. Can't complain about that performance. Uh, what do you think about the Raptors, though? Those are obviously two particularly standout performances. It was those two who actually carried on their postseason form, especially the NBA Finals form, and they both dropped it. Vral, who was your standout performer, though? Now you've placed me in a very, very difficult predicament because perhaps the um, obvious answer would be to go with Fred just just because he was um, the more surprise performer 
but um, I think what really stood out to me the most was just Pascal's uh, performance and the free reigns that he's been given. And this is what uh, Nick Nurse actually talks about after the game. Um, we saw the typical um, Pascal plays that we saw last year where he was taking the ball up in transition, running at speed and using his um, excellent ball handling, um, just really bullying his way to the rim. But what really stood out for me in this game was him being allowed to take those, let's call them superstar type shots. Um, I think he had two Dirk fadeaways. And um, in general, um, he was taking shots of, of a superstar player and um, of course that is a role that not only um, he would like to probably fill but um, the Raptors probably need him to fill if they're looking to be you know a um, contending team this year so um, I wasn't altogether surprised by, by his performance but um, I was pleasantly you know well I would, I would just say I was pleased to see that um, the raps are really going all in with um building that team around him yeah that's true and um as you said there was a lot of sort of space to fill Kawhi and danny green had a lot of usage obviously they were the two almost key players in the raps winning championship lineup last year and if we look at um the usage and i'm referring to we don't want to pass this off and i'm referring to blake murphy in the athletic who wrote about this Pascal Siakam's average usage last season was just 20%. So, and in the opening game, it rose to 35%. And with a lot more of yeah. his plays yeah. being assisted. And it did similar. There were slight, slight jumps as well for Van Vliet and Lowry, as probably expected. OG's about stayed the same. Mark Souls, interestingly, went down. But of course, maybe that's just one game. But I think you're right. Siakam's sort of the main guy now. You've got Lowry, you've got Gasol, you've got Van Vliet. But... Siakam is that main dude, and you have to feed him. You have to make use of probably he's going into his absolute prime years. And that that long-term extension is music to Toronto's ears at the moment because I don't see I don't see a better player in his position than him anywhere. I think he's a well, lock-in for the All-Star. Well, okay, fine, we've got AD, but I'm saying his sort of style of play. Bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. more of the sort of slender quick power forward type I don't think we've seen that kind of effectiveness for quite a long time and it showed it showed in the game um, well interestingly you... I would compare it almost directly with Yanis and um, I, and I would say two things there one being that I think he needs to work on his post game um, yeah. to be comparable with him because when, he, when it comes to like three, four, five yards um, close to the rim uh, just like Yanis, he's practically unstoppable. When they got the ball to him in that position, he just um, his touch around the rim, rim is excellent, and um, that's not something he really needs to improve on. But really, his footwork when he's on the block, for example, I was talking about those Dirk fadeaways. Um, I think there he just needs to just be as creative as possible and, and try as many different things and. Um, Basically, Toronto just needs to be patient and let him make those kind of mistakes. And um, yeah, hopefully it'll just he'll come good in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Who do you else think sort of stood out? I mean, you had you had those two main performances, thirty-four points each. What did you think um, of 
Terence Davis off the bench. Mm, now, yeah. I might talk about this more because yeah, go for I it. quite really love him as a player. He went undrafted. He was sort of picked up and it was a bit of surprise when he made the squad. But the fact is he looks like he's now in Nick Nurse's eight-man rotation, which is a difficult thing to break. You saw in the preseason, Nick Nurse was criticising the likes of Stanley Johnson and Rande Hollis-Jefferson. You know, yeah. two players with significant NBA experience. Absolutely, yeah. And basically pushing them out of the eight-man rotation before the season started. Terence Davis, undrafted, has managed to make it. And um, he showed a lot of quality in the first game. The box score doesn't quite reflect what he brought to the team. But I think in then, even in the next couple, even in the three games overall, there's enough of him, I think, to see that he, he will be a effective contributor this season, especially in, just in terms of the depth, really. And I think you've got- I completely agree. What, 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 what are your thoughts on him? Just, just three games, just three games. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't think I can speak on uh, Terence Davis just uh, specifically, but I guess I'd like to just speak about, well, firstly, the small ball lineup, which I think Terence Davis was a part of. Um, you had, so you had Kyle, you had Fred, you had Terence Davis, you had Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka at the centre. But when we're talking about small ball lineups, that is by far and away the smallest um, four aside from the centre in the whole league but um, I'm not sure what that rotations plus minus has been across the first three games but um, just to see their lateral quickness and ball movement was absolutely spectacular um, I think uh, the most if anyone's curious if, you, if you're going to look at the third quarter of the Bulls game um, just as the start of the third quarter they absolutely um blew out uh, Chicago small ball lineup. So, um, I'd, well, that's yeah, fair. I'd, yeah. And in fact, I think um, we might skip, I think, I think on this podcast, we like to sort of start with the good and then go into the bad. So we might actually just skip ahead of the second game onto the Bulls game played last night. And as you said, that third quarter where they outscored the Bulls 36 to 22 was the quarter that essentially gave them a win after quite a tight first half, you know. The Bulls team... You know, it's it's uh, we discussed before the season. It's got that kind of trio of Markkanen, Zach Levine, and you've got Kobe White, who's making an early run for Rookie of the Year. Let me add, but let's not let's not talk too much about that for now. Um, that Bulls game though showed a lot of the sort of ball sharing that the Raptors can bring, not only in the starting lineup, but I think on the bench. No one from the Raps lineup actually scored above twenty points. And you think you're thinking in a Kawhi sort of DeRozan sort of team, you've got one main guy there. But in in this team, it's running sort of almost a bit like the Warriors, a bit like more of a democratic lineup. What do, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> democratic lineup, I like that. Obi- so um, yeah, I think you touched on it. I've touched on it also. But um, one of their favourite things to do. Um, after, firstly, when it comes to the pick and roll, when either the pick or the roll man gets into the paint and there's effective rotation from the help defense, 95% of the time, they manage to find the pass into the corner three, whether that was Ibaka or Siakam. Uh, this is clearly something that's been drilled into them in the off season. And the other one is just 
um, with whoever's on the floor, whether it's the small ball lineup or the um, whether say Gasol and Ibaka out there. It's just the perimeter ball movement again, consistently, consistently finding the open corner free. It was just spectacular to watch. Exactly, and there was a couple. There's been there was one from the opening game, but I think there was a few highlights from last night's game, which actually showed the Raps taking not just one extra, but maybe like three extra passes just to create that opening, that that opening, you know, in the, whether it be in the corner or from the elbow. Or, but I think it's it's very encouraging to see this early on to see these and maybe, guys have gelled and you, right after Kawhi. They could have given up, but I think they've gelled and they're confident. Yes, and uh, maybe you could speak as um, about the three-point percentage um, and how that plays into the playstyle. Yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't it wasn't particularly spectacular last night. Raps went fifteen to forty-two. Um, okay. However, uh, we'll go and touch on the Boston uh, Boston court in the opening night. They actually went fourteen from forty, which is again thirty-five percent. In the Boston game, however, this was more on show because the Raptors actually went fifty percent from three, scoring 18. This included five from Siakam and six from Lowry. And um, again, it was sort of, it was a loss in the end. And I think we move on to the Boston game. It was quite a devastating loss, only because it was an indicator that maybe the Raptors aren't up to challenging the top four in either conference. I don't know, maybe that's a very sweeping statement to make about a loss away at TD Garden, which isn't the easiest place to go. But I think you could see the quality of the Celtics just just in terms of depth. I mean, I've talked about, okay, we've got Terrence Davis as the eighth man. And while that's good to an extent, it also shows maybe the lack of championship quality that this team has. And maybe that hurt them in the game. Because because when Gasol is having an off night, when Van Vliet is having an off night, he went two for 11 against Boston. Who, who have you got off the bench apart from Ibaka to make an impact? Oh, see, okay, that that's a very loaded question. You touched on two or three things there. Address um, just answering one of them. Uh, I would say um, I would respectfully disagree about them challenging the top teams. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. No, I would go as far as saying it was almost an anomalous result because I don't think they're going to have another game where they get out rebounded so heavily. Firstly, on the offensive glass, I believe um, it was up to. A 20 rebound difference on the offensive end. Uh, not just that, uh, you look at the turnovers, I believe um, they had 23 turnovers to Boston's eight. Yep, and now, 21 yesterday, by the way. Yes, so potentially um, that is going to be a trend, and I do think it is going to be a trend in a team that's learning to um, pull together after Kawhi and with a superstar who's going to make those mistakes. Pascal, I believe, had five turnovers against Boston. But um, you have to you have to say that aside, they only lost to Boston by six points. I, be, I believe it was in the end when yes. Boston put up. I believe it was thirty more shots than the Raptors, which is when yeah, one hundred nine like shots that, to seventy eight. Yeah, I think that's absurd, and that showed despite all those turnovers. Well, to an extent, it was turnovers and rebounds, but. You can't just say get rid of the turnovers and rebounds and you'll be fine. Those are two pretty important parts of the game. And it's only yesterday that, you know, Gasol finally managed to get into double figures for rebounds that we actually looked fairly comfortable on the on the glass. Cause we've got the the two guards raps are playing are Lowry and Van Vliet. 
two undersized, undersized guards right next to each other. Off the bench, you've got Norman Powell and Matt Thomas, again, undersized. Uh, OG isn't the tallest wing. Siakam is rebound. He's still learning to rebound. And, you know, you've really only got Gasol out there. You know, you haven't got the likes of and Danny. Don't Green. forget Ibaka. Like, Sorry? Uh, don't forget Ibaka, though. You've also got... Oh, yes. We weren't thinking Ibaka. He was, uh, he's rebounding extremely well, but again, he's off the bench, so he doesn't actually... He's not playing uh, half the game, really, where where um, the Raptors are seen to struggle. But you're right in that it was a narrow loss. I mean, Boston actually outscored Toronto 36-24 to in the last quarter just to secure the win, essentially. Yeah, and in the last four minutes of the game, I believe um, the Raps... I don't think they scored a field goal. Um, they only managed to score two points, and that's from free throws. So um, uh, there, they'll potentially have to learn to perform in the clutch. And I think one trend we're seeing is potentially an increasing reliance on um, Fred Van Vliet as opposed to Lowry. P- perhaps not in the clutch, but just as a playmaker in general. But um, Again, I would like to disagree even with the rebounding there because um, you are right, um, Fred and Larry are both extremely undersized, but despite us, their size, they are excellent rebounders, I guess, for their size. Um, you look at Thickens, Kyle Larry, he's absolutely fantastic at boxing out. Um, likewise with Van Vliet, so they do use their bodies um, to make up for their lack of height, but um, Perhaps you are right. Perhaps um, this rebounding deficit is something we're going to see for the rest of the season. Yeah, that might be exactly right. So I guess there's a couple more great Toronto things to touch on. One is actually the performance of Matt Thomas. Now we mentioned <laughs> there he is. He comes up the podcast, and I was saying he's essentially a JJ Redick. No, no, I no, think no, when no, he no. came Come off on, the bench yesterday, three games, and he was coming off screens. Well, yesterday was the first time he actually played, and I tell you, when he pulled up for that first 27 footer, I was nervous because I'm like, this could be make or break for the kid. But he showed exactly why the Raptors plucked him from the European leagues, where he shot 48% from three. Let me remind you, and uh, he just swished his first two threes in the NBA. So I'm very, very happy for this man and I think he brings a very different weapon that the Raptors have tried to get in the likes of CJ Miles uh, etc but I mean I'm just going to quote from the Athletics Eric Corrine here right you have a look at someone like Van Vliet who's worked his way in right you have a look then at players like Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson who have sort of already been in the NBA but are being shunned and then you got Matt Thomas who's been plucked from Europe, got his first minutes, and had to show what he's made of. But no, he came on and within a within within a minute, I believe, just uh, shot 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 a three to put the Raptors ahead. Defensively, is not great, but because of his size. Yeah, however, yeah. however, I'm very confident going forward that Matt Thomas is a weapon. And it, it is, it is highlighted, highlighted by the fact that Nick Nurse has trusted him enough to play him 20 minutes in his first game, which, um, yeah. talking about that eight-man lineup, that does show he has a lot of faith in him. Exactly. Uh, so, just a little preview. The Raps going forward. They've got Orlando tomorrow, the uh, probably the spookiest team in the NBA, before a reunion 
with old coach Dwayne Casey on Wednesday night. Sunday, mm. well, we'll be recording probably before Sunday, but it's maybe a good time to highlight a trip to Milwaukee, which maybe more than Boston is a test of the Raptors. I won't say title credentials because there's no title coming to Toronto this season. Playoff credentials, I will yes. say. Top uh, high seeded playoff credentials, which is not as exciting to say. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it doesn't quite roll off the tongue as the same. The same. Yeah, uh, Milwaukee haven't haven't been great. They um they pretty much got shut down by the likes of Bam Adebayo and Co. And without Jimmy Butler, sans Jimmy Butler, at the Miami last night. Um, so they're not looking too much like a challenger. Of course, they've they've lost a couple, gained a couple. Oh no! I I think again. I think that's too early to say. Um, Yeah. Again, but again, uh, I think once next Sunday, once everyone sort of played five or six games, you can sort of start to see the makings, and those matchups become important. Not just because they're in the win and loss column, but they become important to really stamp down your credentials. Really. From my personal viewpoint, I would say usually it takes actually about fifteen to twenty games. Um, mainly because if you look at this off-season and this is an off-season I think we were both so excited about um, before things got underway I think I saw a statistic somewhere which said that only 43% of players in the NBA stayed at the same team that they paid for in the previous season which is absolutely absurd I I believe it was less than 50% it's literally everyone moving about. Yeah. Um, so with that stat in mind, um, it basically just shows that um, for some of these teams who were the busier ones on the um, market, that it's going to take some time to build that chemistry. And um, perhaps the good start that we have seen with the Raptors is somewhat to do with the fact that a lot of those players did play together on a championship winning team last year. So yeah. we'll see if they keep up that good form uh, from this point forward. But I think it, we shouldn't get too excited or too down on a team before we see maybe 10 to 15 games. That's true, because otherwise we'd be saying the Phoenix Suns are better than the LA Clippers. <laughs> yes. Of course. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that game yesterday. That was a phenomenal result. I mean, I woke up to this result and I could not believe it. But, you know, you've got the deadly trio of... Kelly Oubre Jr., Devin Booker, and of course, Aaron Baines. And you've all, they're all <laughs> yeah. contributing. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm laughing, but um, of course, this has somewhat to do with the fact that um, Kawhi just came off two game monster games he had against Golden State and Los Angeles, and he was played with a minute restriction against the Clippers. But um, I think it does say something for Doc Rivers to say that the Clippers had absolutely zero chance in that game and that they got outplayed for the whole match. Um, it kind of puts my prediction for Phoenix to be the worst ranking team in the West. It puts some doubt on that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I can... Um, the Grizzlies are favourites to take that at the moment. Yeah, it's a bad bet to take. And of course, um, make sure you did listen to the Predictions podcast. It's been pretty popular on the iTunes charts. So make sure you do take a listen to that. Absolutely. Off. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? 
No, just it's yeah. I mean, I think it's potentially thousands, tens of thousands of tuned in. But no, we do I our. Mean, you know, I mean, we're fast approaching three digits on these podcasts. So yeah, so we I do. Wanna, you know, we I, do I, certainly appreciate Um, I was interested actually. Rookies, of course, it's early to talk about rookies, but a few rookies have shone. Have they shone to you? Oh, they absolutely have shone for me. But please Except continue. Except for one. Oh, Kobe White, did you say? Well, except for Kobe White. We've mentioned Kobe White. has oh. been very exciting. Uh, we can probably might include Trey Young in this as a sophomore. Uh, but which, has, has any rookies drawn out to you? There's been, of course, Darius Garland, um, who we mentioned. Hachimura's done all right on the Wizards. Any Anyone else kind of catch any right? I, to be honest, I don't think I've kept up with the rookies because, um, of course, a lot of the ones who performed well have been on shoddy teams and I haven't really had time to watch them as much I've really kept up with those blockbuster exciting teams so well that's fair um one thing any strong out for you stood out for you Kamel well I think the three I mentioned Kobe White well Trey Young as a sophomore has been averaging 33 and a half 37 a game is he um and um and Hachimura, who's been who's been really good. Um, RJ Barrett had a very good start at Madison. He did, yes. So I'm sure Knicks fans have a sort of starting to get that bright sliver of light after the last few years now. Um, yeah, last, with last RJ. Year, um, however, sorry, just to just to comment there. Um, I think people are still completely unsure about um, who we are going to see uh, for the regular season because. When it comes to the preseason, he did have a very, very good preseason. But again, he did shoot at a horrible efficiency when it comes to the summer league. So, are we going to see that RJ Barrett, who I, I would argue in college as well, he didn't have the best shooting splits? Um, are we going to see the one who gets tunnel vision when he goes into the paint and doesn't find those pa- uh, correct passes into the corners? Hopefully, he's being coached in the right right way. But um, I am very apprehensive because I don't think New York has the coaching staff in place um, to really mould a player as raw but with as much potential as RJ. So again, we'll also see how he plays out going forward. Right, and I think that is a golden nugget to end this podcast on. Thank you all for joining us. Next time we record, we might have a slightly better idea of who's sort of forming up to be the champions, who's living up to expectations, who's the surprise package, and who is absolute garbage tier. However, for now, we just got to enjoy the wraps, sitting nicely in fifth place, pretty much where they belong at the moment. Varel, thanks once again for appearing. It's been a pleasure. Balling, balling, balling in the six.